ever feel like God's giving you a message, but it's not really a good time? You kind of have a lot going on. You're not alone. That's today on the podcast. Hey, it's Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thanks so much for listening in to our Tower Hill podcast. There are 525,600 minutes in a year. This is a data point made popular in the musical Rent several years ago. The opening song in the musical asks, how do you measure a year in the life? 525,600 minutes. Except leap year, actually. But who's counting? Even though time is linear and measurable and predictable, you can't start it, you can't stop it, you can't speed it up, and you can't slow it down. Although, if you have ever tried to hold a plank for 45 seconds, it certainly feels like time drags. But it doesn't. Time marches on and on and on. So what can we do with our time? How can we make the most of our time? This week, Pastor Jason starts a new sermon series on how to say yes and no to what really matters. Starting with a man named Felix and how he waited and waited and let time slip away. Let's check it out right now. This is the time of year when I start to really care about my clock. And I, I realized when I was sitting in my office this week that I have three different devices at all times telling me what time it is. I'm not sure why I feel like I need this, but they also uh, set off different alarms. And the idea is then they pull me from whatever I'm doing so that I can get to whatever is next. This is that time of year when things get crazy. If you uh, have school-age kids, for you, this, these last few days have just been a whirlwind. And you are amazed that you even made it here. And, and probably because something got canceled because of the rain. Right? I mean, like, everything is crazy. It just went... And it's like, what is happening? And we know it's coming. And, but we're just never ready for it, and it happens. Like, for example, yesterday, my schedule yesterday, 8 a.m., we had flag football, yeah, uh, 10 a.m., flag football, 11 a.m., funeral, 2.30, uh, wedding rehearsal, 3 o'clock, baseball, 4 to 6 p.m., volunteer training here at the church for our kids' ministry. And at the end of that day, I'm just like, what just happened? What just happened? And I know for you, it's, it's the same kind of thing. Everything goes crazy. In fact, I am neurotic about time, I've, I've come to discover. And I'm going to share this with you so that you know, hey, your pastor's not perfect. He's got some issues. Here's where I'm neurotic. My car somehow, I think, is a time machine. And the reason I think this is because the time clock in my car is slowly moving into the future. I swear, it's happening. So we got the car, and it was the correct time. About a year later, that clock was 10 minutes fast, and I don't know how it happened. Now, the funny thing is, now, a couple years since I've had the car, the car is now 15 minutes fast. But I don't change it to the right time. Do you know why? You know why. Because now I get in the car, and I look at time, and my first time is, oh, oh, I got 15 minutes. How ridiculous is that? I think I have a time problem, but I'm here to confess that to you, that actually leaving the incorrect time puts me at ease. And for a lot of us, this is our lives. This is the life that we are living at this very moment. And maybe the car is an appropriate analogy, because I feel like 
The way I measure my life a lot of the time, you might feel like this too if you're anything like me, is it's kind of like the speed of life over time. Like uh, if there was an equation, speed of life over time equals, maybe it would equal quality of life. Or for you, maybe that speed over time equals productivity. Or maybe you would get all philosophical about it. And you would say speed over time equals carpe diem. Right? Seize the day. I'm going to make the most out of every single moment of my life. Which sounds exhausting, by the way. <laughs> like, oh, do I have to? Yes, i got to seize the day. I just want to sit down. Carpe diem. Or, or success might be that for you. Or, or even just generally, like, if I keep moving, if I keep chasing after my goals and dreams, if I do this at enough speed over the time that I have, that's going to equal my better life. The life that I think I finally need to be happy, to have joy, to get what I want. And so I chase after these things with reckless abandon, and everything's going great. Really great. I'm hitting my goals. I'm getting after it. I'm taking charge. I'm seizing the day. My dreams are coming at me, and I'm, a lot of them I'm able to fulfill. And then I start to feel something inside. Like a little hiccup that starts speaking to me, all is not well. Which I promptly ignore. Because I'm getting after it. Getting after my dreams. Going for the career. Doing whatever I can to get ahead so that I could get that better life. It's sort of like the check engine light comes on. <laughs> you ever do this with the check engine light? Check engine light comes on, you're like, oh, it's probably a fuse. <laughs> it, it can't be the engine. We just had it looked at. It's got to be a fuse. <laughs> and it's on for a while. And you're like, dang, I wonder if, wonder if something is wrong with it. But you know what? It's still running, so it's probably fine, right? I know some people, I know a guy who, he used to put tape over it. I don't, I don't know. What that accomplished, it made it feel better. Made it feel better. But then uh, the check engine light comes on. What do I mean? So in our life, we start getting really stressed. We start feeling, uh, maybe we're not sleeping well. Maybe we're, uh, there's physical manifestations of what we're going through. We're starting to be sick. Things are kind of breaking down or we're very quick to lose our temper or something is happening where the check engine light's coming on and as if to say, whoa, 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 you can't go at this speed and expect the car to last. And yet, if you're anything like me, it's like I get to that point and all of a sudden, like, I wake up one day and my life looks like this. Right? Like, I, the car is shot. The car is shot, and I'm just like, what? what just happened? And then I feel like it's a Chevy Chase line, you know? I don't know where we are, but we're making good time. This, I think, is a lot like what happens to us when we get in these seasons of being crazy busy. And, and listen, I think God wants you to be productive and to chase after your dreams. And I, I believe that. But not at the expense of the car. He wants the car to make it there in one piece. And so if you're like me, you've maybe felt this hiccup in your spirit. Like, ah, everything's not right. Pay attention to that. 
Because I think that's God's way of telling you, hey, 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 I'm glad you're getting after it, but there's something else that you're missing, and I don't want you to crash. (laughs) That's kind of like our spiritual life, too. Like, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm making good time, moving right along. There's a book that came out a few years ago that you're probably familiar with, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. You familiar with this book? (laughs) Sorry. I love the reaction whenever I talk about this book because all the women perk up and all the guys are like, ugh. (laughs) Oh, yes, I love that book. It's my favorite. All the guys are like, oh, geez. Yeah, like, I didn't know. I wasn't speaking the right language. Like, what did I do? But the whole premise of this book, the whole idea of this book is that if you want a relationship to work, if you want it to be healthy, you've got to figure out how you communicate, how you best receive love and give love, and what does this look like in your relationship, because you have to pay attention to it if you expect the relationship to last. Well, if God has a love language, I believe God's love language is time spent. And if that's true, I find it no coincidence that time is the first thing to go. God just wants time with us. Why? Because relationships require time. It doesn't matter what relationship. It requires some time. And time's the thing that we feel like we don't have. Because of the what? The tyranny of the urgent. Everything is right now. We've got to get it done. We've got to get moving. And it holds us captive from spending time doing the things that matter most. And the truth is, when you don't spend time together, you grow apart. Doesn't matter how close you ever were before, any marriage, any marriage that is going through a hard time, it didn't start out that way. You started out in love, everything was great, you got married. But then that isn't just like good for the rest of your life. Your relationship can quite easily grow apart if you don't cultivate it. Here's the thing. We often operate under the delusion that all God wants are dramatic displays of faith when really all he wants is us. Not that, I mean, listen, God loves dramatic displays of faith. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like sometimes that paralyzes us. We feel like, I can't do that big thing for God. God just, let's just start with the little thing. That's what God wants. Think about it this way. If if this is a relationship... And this is so important because this is where a lot of people who are brought up in Christianity, brought up in church or whatever, we get this sense that that faith is is somehow punitive. Like if I don't act this way, then I'm going to be punished in some way. Not that God's punished me, but there'll be a punishment. There'll be a reckoning for the things that I do. But that's not how God describes it. That's not how Jesus describes it. Jesus describes it as a relationship. And that's the difference, see, between religion and relationship. Relationships are cultivated. Religions are followed. For Jesus, it's about relationship. He didn't come to start another religion. He came to have a relationship with you. So, how do we make good time? How do we make the kind of time for God that can work in our crazy, busy, 
21st century life. I think there's a couple of great stories here in the New Testament that speak to this. Speak to this issue and then I think speak a bit to the remedy. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. The art of making good time. So in our first scripture in Acts 24, Paul is on trial, as he often was, for proclaiming the gospel in these different towns that he went to on his missionary journey. He would be on trial. He would often be put in prison. Last week, it actually dovetails with last week's message if you got to hear it. Um, Paul was often put into prison and had to endure uh, a lot of things. Uh, He was beaten, you know, unjustly Unjustly so, unjustly put in the prison, all of that. So he's in prison. He's awaiting his trial. And there is a, uh, the person in charge of his trial, the judge, if you will, is a man named Felix. And here's where we pick up our story in Acts 24, beginning in verse 22. Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, that's what they first called the Christians, the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, comes, he said, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Now, that was pretty generous. That was not something that happened all the time. Why did he do that? Why did he uh, be a little extra generous to Paul? We find out in the very next verse. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. So now we understand. So Paul, who was... A Roman citizen was also Jewish before uh, he came to uh, be part of the way or be part of the Christian faith. And so Felix understood, I better treat this guy. He's one of my wife's people. Better treat him nicely. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come... Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. Let's camp out on that for a minute. (laughs) Because I feel like I've definitely been like this. And I know you've probably struggled with this too. You ever have somebody speak to you and you felt like it was God telling you something? Or maybe even you come into church and you hear something. And this is how I always know that it's the Holy Spirit working the messages. Because I'm not smart enough to know what you're going through. Like, the Holy Spirit will have me say a phrase or something that I don't intend for anything. Just a phrase. And somehow it'll hit you right square in the heart. And then usually what happens is, what happened to Felix? Fear. Whoa, 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 whoa. That was a little too... That cut right in the, yeah, no. No, 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 I'm not ready to deal with that whole mess going on. I would rather just, let's handle this later. Can we come back to this, Lord? I know this is super important. I know there's something to this, but, like, give me a minute. I can't, I just, this is too, I'm sorry. And there's, there's a fear in there. A fear that, the truth is going to be exposed, and I'm going to have to deal with it. It's going to be uncomfortable. I don't, I don't want to be uncomfortable. I've got to keep going. I've got to keep getting after it. I don't know if that's something that I want to face. 
when I find it convenient. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. (laughs) Dude, you're barking up the wrong tree, man. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. So he did decide to talk with Paul when it was convenient. I imagine Paul was giving him the gospel. Now watch this. When two years had passed, Felix, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus, but because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. Two years. This is what happens. We try to put off whatever it is we have to deal with with God. And we say tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And we wake up and it's two years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years. What happened? It's kind of like this. I I confess, I've been living in New Jersey for twelve years. New Jersey. I did not think I would end up in New Jersey. I'm just saying. There's no hate. I'm not throwing shade. I'm just saying. 12 years in New Jersey, that's not what, it wasn't on my plan. Prior to that, I spent 17 years in Pennsylvania, different parts of Pennsylvania, about half that time in the Philadelphia area. That's 29 years. I know, how could you be that old? I know, I know, yeah. It's the Holy Spirit. But I have to confess to you, in 29 years, I've never been to the Statue of Liberty. Twenty-nine years. Do I want to go to the statue? Ask me if I want to go to the Statue of Liberty. Yes. <laughs> why? You know why? Because I can anytime. So I don't. I know the Statue of Liberty isn't going anywhere. So therefore, it never makes my urgent list. And I feel like this is exactly what we do with God. God's always going to be there. I'll get to him later. And we never do. Usually until it's too late. Until the car's broken down. Because the opportunity is always nearby. We think we could put it off. Until we have the time. And then guess what? We don't have the time. Let's contrast this story with a bit of last week's story. It's okay if you weren't here. I'm going to summarize it. So last week, it's another uh, place where Paul was in prison. And uh, a miracle happened. And the chains, there was a big earthquake. And the chains broke. You remember this story? The chains broke. And... The jailer was about to commit suicide because he thought the prisoners had all escaped. And Paul says, no, 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 wait, we're all still here. And we pick it up from here. This is verse 29 of Acts 16. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see the difference? The truth hits him in the heart, just like the other guy, but it wasn't Hold on, that's enough for now. Come back when it's convenient. It's, what do I do right now? I don't want to wait another second without knowing. How do I get saved? What does this mean for me? 
They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke of the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, see that immediately, he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. This is what we're getting at. This is what we're getting at. If you want the engine to be okay, to have a joy that is in you no matter what you accomplish, that's the difference of having Jesus in it. The payoff is that you are in a relationship with God and that relationship will bring you joy. You could go on chasing your goals and dreams, but you're going to chase them with God running with you. And that will change the entire quality of your life. There's a big difference, right? There's, there's two categories then between our two stories. The, the, if we're going to make a, a list, we have the chart, when I find it convenient, versus what must I do now to be saved? So we have to notice these things in us that keep popping up. Like the first thing, the when I find it convenient piece is all about the illusion of control. Like you're always going to be there, Lord, and eventually I'll get around to it. Like you don't know that. You get hit by a bus tomorrow. I mean, God, well, I, don't, I don't think you will, but you, you don't know what's going to happen in your life. You don't, you don't know anything. We have no idea what even today is going to bring. And the difference is that what my student, what must I do now is saying, instead of I have control, God, I'm going to give you control. And what do I mean when I say that? Because I think sometimes it sounds like words and we don't understand how to apply that. I just simply mean, instead of me dictating what my goals and dreams are and how I'm going to get there, I'm going to do that prayerfully and I'm going to say, God, If these goals and dreams be yours, help me to get there. If you have something different for me, show me what that is. That's different. You may end up with the same goals and dreams, but you're going to end up there a lot differently. When I find it convenient is about someday versus what my to do now is about today. What am I going to do today? I don't want to wait another minute to live a life that isn't filled with joy. When I find it convenient, creates a distance between you and God. Why? Time spent. What must I do now creates a closeness with God. So, where do I begin? Where do we begin? There are a lot of ways. I'm going to give you one of my favorites today because I think it's the absolute easiest spiritual formation task you could possibly have. And it'll work. And you don't have to put a whole lot of time, in, actually, I don't know, five seconds into your day. Can you manage five seconds? <laughs> You're not sure? <laughs> five, five seconds. You've heard me say this before. It's the coffee cup challenge. 
When you drink your coffee in the morning, or chai tea, don't get all hung up on the Whatever you drink, my cold brew, whatever, whatever you drink in the morning as you're getting ready to go, say this one-sentence prayer. Take a little sip and say, Lord, help me be awake to you today. Say, do this every day this week. I don't know. It flips a switch in you. Something starts to happen. That something is you're deciding ahead of time in your day that you're going to be open to seeing where God already is. The coffee cup challenge. Because here's the thing. Here's the hope. The hope is that God's going to show us how to make good time. He's going to show us how to do this step by step. How to take this crazy, busy, wild life that we have and make sure the check engine light doesn't come on. Amen. Amen.